Welcome to another edition of the Boston Sports Brew. Claude switches sides. A week after the Bruins fire head coach Claude Julien, he accepts the same job with the black and gold's biggest rival, Montreal Canadiens. We have a problem with that, and can the Bruins keep up their recent success under Bruce Cassidy? Celtics are on a roll, with Kevin Love now out for about six weeks, could the Green actually take over the top seed in the East? Plus, will the Pats use the franchise tag on anyone, and should they trade Jimmy Garoppolo? We'll talk about it on this edition of the Boston Sports Brew. Matty has some crazy stuff going on in, in hockey, especially right now. Claude Julien gets fired, and where in the world does he end up? He ends up with those Montreal Canadiens, the, the worst of all possible places to see. I, I don't know, one of my favorite coaches in Boston recent history. So very, very crazy way to uh, start this week. How are you, Matthias? I'm doing all right, minus these these headaches I've been getting draws. I don't know. I don't know if it's weather up here, but I'm in this freaking pattern of these, they call it, they call them cluster headaches. I'm not sure if you actually heard of them before. They're like one cluster? of the most. Yeah, cluster headaches. No, I've never heard of this. Yeah, you know, well. Is it like a migraine? Worse than a migraine. Absolutely worse. I had like one of the worst cluster headaches last night I've had ever. It's sharp pain behind your eye. Feels like a burning slash someone's like stabbing your eye. It lasted for what? a good 40 minutes. Yeah, it's cluster headaches are a weird thing. So anybody listening, if you don't know what they are, Google it. and You'll be like, yeah, those hurt. And then people who do have them, they know what they're like. So I'm in some type of like weird stage with them because they come in phases. They come in like either weeks or months and then they go away for a while. Like I haven't had these for years, but the last month and then last night I just had a massive headache and it had nothing to do with, with my buddy Claude because – for me, Draws, Claude was my favorite Boston Bruins coach of all time. I mean, he won a, won a Stanley Cup for the Bruins. Definitely an integral part of that. Um, I destroyed him last, uh, not him, but I destroyed management last week on how they handled the situation. And I still am firm on that. I will say that I did lie because I did watch the Montreal game and the Bruins looked fabulous in that game, but I had... I did not think that Montreal would turn around and then fire their head coach. And Therian seemed to be doing fine there. They're in first place. They have struggled as of the last month or so, finding the back of the net. But you have the best goalie in the game in Carey Price. So I just feel like in hockey draws, they get really, really impatient with their coaches. Extremely impatient. Out of any sport out there, hockey guys, I feel like, fly left and right, coaches-wise. coaches, coaches wise. But when I saw this yesterday, I just laughed. I, I laughed because Claude Julian's time in Boston was done two years ago. They end up axing him two years too late. And coaches want to coach. No, it, it's obvious. They, they, they live for it, these guys. They're absolute animals. I don't think anybody's worse than the collegiate coaches whether it's football or basketball those guys are they're ridiculous they're dirty most of them but even when it comes to the pros the pros the pros want to coach too so for Claude I laughed at it I said you know what good for him was I surprised yeah he's been to Montreal before they canned his ass before 
Now they're bringing it back. They're in first place already. It's just, it's weird all the way around. I do not have a problem whatsoever with Claude taking the job. The Bruins actually could have blocked this move from what I gather. And I'm glad that the Bruins didn't block this move. Claude gave his 100% here, 110% all the time. So I'm glad the Bruins didn't block that. And I have no issues with it whatsoever, Draws. I, I'm not going to go out there and root for our, our tribal, obviously. But Claude Julian is just like a guy like Doc Rivers for me. Doc brought a title. I actually like the way that Claude left compared to Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers thought that the grass was greener on the other side and said, screw it, I'm out of here. And he has not won a ring in Clipper land. And I don't think that's on the horizon, especially in that Western Conference. But for Claude, I have no issues, man. Go there. Good luck. I will not be rooting for you. Whatever happens, happens. I would laugh now if the Bruins actually get a series with the Canadians in the first round, which could occur. They definitely could. But for me, congrats, Claude. You you deserve it. He's one of the better coaches in the league, period. Yeah, which is why Montreal signed him. And just like you said, I have absolutely no problem with this whatsoever. The guy got fired, and then the Canadians offered him a job. I hate the Canadians. I probably hate the Montreal Canadians more than any team in, in sports. Wow, for some reason, really? even like the New York Yankees don't bother me. The, the Lakers don't bother me like that. The, the Canadians bother me. The Canucks kind of bother me as well, although they're not the same as they were. But when they started like burning down their city, and then I heard they did the same thing when the Rangers beat the, the Canucks in the Stanley Cup, their fans, that is. Uh, I don't like the, their fans, and I don't like I didn't like that team that the Bruins went up against that were with Burroughs and such that was biting everybody. But beyond that, the Canadians are just whatever. The time when Chara knocked Pacioretty over the boards, and Pacioretty got hurt real bad, and they were trying to put Chara in jail. Just stupid stuff like that. I don't like the Canadiens. I really hate the Montreal Canadiens, but I do not hate Claude Julien, and I do not hate his decision to take the job. For a first-place team in the Atlantic Division right now, I think that it's a great opportunity for him. I know he's been there before. I believe when he was there before, was one of those seasons they played the, the Bruins in the first round of the playoffs. I think that was the year when Mike Ribeiro did his little diving act. Ugh, Claude yep. was in charge of that team. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not I'm not against anybody that gets fired, first off, should be able to go do what they want. Claude did a fantastic job. He didn't try to act like he wanted to leave Boston ever. He never did anything like that. And like you brought up Doc Rivers, yeah, grass greener on the other side. You're right. You get a different feeling from him than Claude. Like, Claude always was... Even up to the final day, he had your do-your-job shirt on for the Patriots. Like, he was pro-Boston. He was doing everything Boston. So, for anybody I, to get mad at Claude Julian for taking a very good job in what is the Montreal Canadiens head coaching job, I think is ludicrous. <laughs> so, I'm happy for Claude. I'm happy that he that he's in a good spot. I And like you said, Mattias, there's no way in damn hell I am rooting for those Montreal Canadiens. Ever. Even with Claude in charge. Nope. I don't care. I want them to lose, 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 but I'm happy for Claude. Yeah, for pro and sportsman, Canadians are my top three hated teams, so I agree. Yeah, very simple there. The other the other side of the equation here, though, Mattias, is the fact that the Bruins somehow have won three straight since Claude has been fired under Bruce Cassidy, and they're scoring goals. That He comes in, Cassidy says his philosophy is going to be essentially pinching the defenseman up and just trying to 
essentially attack the net and have people in front of the net and just try to get more shots in front of the net and people in front of the net and all that kind of stuff. And up until now, Mattias, or, or for these first three games, that's exactly what the Bruins have done. Yeah. Well, like I said, I, I, I started to watch them again. I took a two game break and I was like, I have to, it's Bruins, Montreal. I, I saw the scores. I saw the box scores. I read articles to see how they were doing. And I watched that game draws and it was interesting. I'll tell you that much. They were not playing um, like they normally do. So the goal for me that was the most surprising was um, Chara. That goal that Chara scored, I swear to God, he, he has not skated that close to the net, I think, in maybe like a decade. I feel like the goal that goal that he scored shorthand, I know it was shorthanded, but still he was he was aggressive on that. They're just playing extremely aggressive. You you had a goal from McQuaid in that game. You have Shara getting in there. Penalty. Um the power play. I think Krejci scored the other goal after Chara. And even looking at some of the games before that, the He's letting the defense get up more in the zone, exactly like you said, Draws. His his philosophy is different. Um, Tory Krug came out and said that he actually thought that his philosophy matched up really well with um, Mr. Cassidy. Guys like Colin Miller and Kevin Miller getting goals. It's just like, what the hell is going on here? Um, first time the Bruins backup goalie in Hudobin won a game since December, Draws. Since December, our backup goalie. This is this is February fifteenth, everybody. Our backup goalie finally got a victory. And if the Bruins want any chance in hell to get a victory or make the playoffs here, they need their backup goalies to get victories, or else Rass is going to get burned out. I mean, Antoine Hudobin has not won since December first, where it's February fifteenth. So. That needs to continue, and I don't. I, I don't know. I'm not getting all crazy draws over over three games. Um, I will say that they one they were all at home. Um, two they did beat. Which a doesn't mean of, much though this year. No, it doesn't mean much this year because this team is just is Jekyll and Hyde. They, they lost two games before that draws at home, giving up six and five goals, and then before that they won three games in a row, four to three. So. And then before those three wins, they lost four. So they could, I could easily see them now go up on this West Coast trip after their week off, which makes no sense to me. We'll get to that momentarily. But West Coast trip against those teams out um, in California with San Jose, Anaheim, L.A., and then backstopping in Dallas, they could lose all four of those. And would you be surprised? Probably not. There's no way you'd be surprised. And if you said you would be surprised, you're lying to me. So I'm going to give a little bit more time here. I did like the fact that they beat San Jose, which is a good team out of the West, and then they beat the leaders in the um, Atlantic Division in Montreal. Tuka Rask, first victory at home in like 12 appearances. It's it's unbelievable that he's never beaten them. And he, he was pretty stout in that game. Um, but the overall play, this is what he said they were going to do, Cassidy. I do like how the defense is actually getting involved for once and for all. That's the type of players I feel like some of them are back there. Um, especially in Krug and Miller. And I mean, I guess McQuaid, I guess. Um, but overall, man, do I like what I see? Yeah, I like what I see, but way too early, way too early. 
Well, you're right on that. It's definitely way too early to go anywhere with this. They won three games. That's great, but they've done it before this season, and that's that. But you hit the nail on the head when you brought up the Chara goal. That is the most alarming of them all. Not alarming, I guess good of them all, because you're right. The last time, and I actually brought this up with my boss at work the day after that game, and I was like, when's the last time you saw Zdeno Chara that close to the net, Rob? Yep. Yep. And he he's like he's like I think it was when he did that pirouette against Ottawa like three years ago. And like I said, Seriously. I don't I don't care if it was shorthanded draws. I could care less. There's whether it was five on five, four on four, three on three on freaking three. Zidane Char does not inch five feet in front of the net like he was. That was just like holy, you know what? Yeah. And did <laughs> you see? Did you did you see the passion coming out of his freaking face when he scored that thing? Yeah. He was he was like roaring, rip roaring, dude. It's actually weird. So it, <laughs> I don't know if they took their frustration off on like the other team, but even before Claude got bounce draws, this team was scoring goals. They they have since that Detroit game where they won an overtime at home, they scored four and then four, four, three, five, and a loss, six, four, four. So something's starting to click with these Bruins on the offensive end, even before Claude got let go but the style of play yeah five feet in front of the net I don't care shorthanded or not it's like dude where that's just insane yeah so we got a couple things going on here then all the defensemen you named them now three of the four defensemen that scored Kevin Miller Chara and McQuaid all scored wall cup either a darting towards the net or like I don't know 10 feet of the net now Colin Miller had a slap shot that's how he scored Solaric to McQuaid, ridiculous. McQuaid is just, like I said, pinching down, just going flying at the net. These guys are, are attacking the net. Everybody's attacking the net. You see him circling in and out. The problem I see here with this philosophy only is that it seems prime for breakaways, and I have yet to really see any happen. That San Jose game, the first one, which you said you, you didn't watch because you didn't want to deal with the Bruins at that point. Correct. That game, defensively, was horrendous for the Bruins. I haven't seen them play that bad defensively in forever. They turned over that puck pretty much every other time they touched it in their defensive zone. So they they got better. Chara wasn't in that game. And I don't know. I I feel like I didn't even see Chara in the Vancouver game. But this is, we keep moving along. In that second game, for whatever reason, Chara comes back. The defense was a little better. They're not turning it over as much. They still turned it over a little more. They got better, actually. As each game went on defensively, Montreal being the best game defensively. But what impressed me and the thing with getting rid of coaches and a reason that a lot of people bring up a lot of times of why they get rid of coaches is because players tune out whatever said coach is saying. And I felt like in the last two seasons, the Bruins lost so many games where they had the lead and then they would just blow it at the end. Or it would be they they'd come back and then they blow it at the end. Or they would just lose to a, a team. They go on a streak. They'd be beating all these teams. You and you'd be impressed. They'd be good wins, and then they just lose to like Buffalo when Buffalo wasn't playing well, or probably not Buffalo, like Carolina. And you just be sitting there and you're thinking to yourself, what the hell is wrong here? How can you not come out? Like last year, the final game of the season, Tukaras doesn't play, but they just get crushed when they had a chance to make the playoffs. It, it, was, it was it was horrendous. This was happening too many times. And I thought a good sign was against Vancouver the other night in the second game where Vancouver tied it up at three. 
late in the third period. And then the Bruins fought back David Pasternak with the goal to put him ahead. I thought that was something we haven't really seen much of from the Bruins in a long time. Them scoring late in the game and them winning it like that. So I was very impressed with that. Once again, like you said, three games, way too small of a sample size to jump on this bandwagon that they're going to do anything crazy. Could they lose four in a row on that West Coast trip? Of course. So I like the way the Bruins are playing. It's definitely a positive start. I'm not going to take anything away from it, but we definitely have to pump the brakes if we're thinking that this team is now like a Stanley Cup contender or something, which I don't think anybody does. So that's the Bruins right now. As for the Celtics, I don't think they're one of the best teams in basketball, but they're winning like they are. 10 out of the last 11. They have the two seed right now firmly in their grasp. Kevin Love has just gone down for six weeks for the Cavaliers. That's the team with the one seed. They're inching up on them. It looks to me like the Wizards might even be more competition at this point, but do you believe in these Celtics? What do you think of these Celtics right now? Do you think that they are a, a number one seed? Well, they could be a number one seed, but that doesn't mean they're a championship contender. I was going crazy on Twitter last night or the night before with people actually saying, and even experts like, ooh, the sexy pick now for the NBA Finals of the Celtics. And I don't know what the hell people are smoking, Draws. I really don't. Even LeBron James got interviewed and they were saying, oh, Kevin Love's out now, so what do you what's going to change? And he's like, nothing. And the guy's like, what do you mean nothing's going to change? And LeBron's like, nothing. I've, I've been dealing with this stuff from since I've been drafted. And he's right. LeBron's always been dealing with pressure. So nothing's going to change with him. Could he possibly run out of energy because the guys played more playoff games now that has actually made him play two plus seasons extra for the amount of games he's played in his career? So the guy has definitely wear and tear going on. They will be resting him. It is going to be Kyrie Irving in him for the next six weeks. And that if that's if Love's injury heals. Home court advantage in the NBA playoffs is so freaking overrated. I, I don't care. I Give me LeBron over this Celtics team in the playoffs, and I don't care if the Celtics have the number one seed. It's not going to matter, man. There's not a, one guy on the freaking team who's going who's gonna to stop LeBron and the Celtics. We don't have a defender. I mean, Jay Crowder can say he can, he can try, but... Last time we talked about the Celtics was two weeks ago, and they lost that game. Well, I guess the Washington Wizards wanted to refer to that game as the funeral. They all showed up in their black, and I was all worried because I said, you know what? The Celtics could come on a could go on a really good run. They're playing a lot of crappy teams coming up here, and they worried me there. And then after that draws, they won every single game. And the only loss they had was that Sacramento one, which is still confusing to me because DeMarcus Cousins suspended for that game had like a 16 17 18 i don't even know that guy's more, more freaking technical fouls he plays a passion but guy's got a bullseye in his back from the refs too and i thought he'd be coming here earlier in the year and as the i knew immediately that no no chance no chance in hell so he's out there he says he wants to stay out there but these celtics man have won 10 out of their last 11 and, and it could have been 11 out of 11 they Winning on the road against Portland and Utah and Dallas. And I know the Utah game to me was the most impressive. And I put that on Twitter and it's true. Out of all the wins they have this year, the Utah one where they are down freaking Avery Bradley, who I I thought Avery Bradley strained his Achilles. I, I didn't know that Avery Bradley had his um left leg like amputated, but I don't know. I, I guess it's I guess a strain Achilles takes freaking amputation time anyways 
that game where you got no Avery Bradley. Um, I mean, Jay Crowder did not play in that game as well for personal issues. You're starting the rookie in Brown and then Marcus Smart against the Jazz, who are pretty good at home. They're like have a 66% winning percentage at home. They, in my opinion, if you want to pick a coach of the year, freaking Quinn Snyder could be one of them, man. That that team or Mike D'Antoni down in Houston. Both of those guys have done a phenomenal job. I, I think it's kind of the same like football. Belichick gets screwed in football. You could kind of say the same, I guess, with um, basketball and picking either Kerr or Popovich. But those teams, the Rockets and the Jazz, very, very close in the stand. The Jazz in that fourth or fifth spot, they're, they're a good team draws. And for them to go in there and win like they did and get contributions up and down the lineup, Smart has definitely gotten better as the, as the season has gone on here. Maybe it's a blessing in disguise that Bradley got hurt and he's playing more. Um, Kelly Olynyk off the bench has done a really good job. I am going to give him his kudos. I swear to God, Josh, ever since we bashed him that week, which was like a month ago, the guy's been on fire. <laughs> so me, I don't know what it is. I have no idea. I, 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 I knew he had it in him. I mean, you expect more. I feel like from the number 13th overall pick in 2013, you, you expect more, but you know what? If he can come off the bench and be a, a, a a great bench player, and that that's what he's been for the month of February, as well as some parts in January. The, the guy averaged 10 points, 5 rebounds in January. Excuse me, train of thought loss there. And then in this month, he's averaging close to 13 points, 7 rebounds, a couple assists. That That's excellent for a bench player. That's, be, that's, that's really, really good for a bench player. So... I'm not buying into the hype, though, Draws. I'm really not. You know how the NBA works. We all know how the NBA works. It comes down to the teams with the superstars. Cleveland and the Warriors are going to be in the finals unless LeBron gets hurt. (laughs) That's the only way the Celtics are going to have a chance to go to the finals. And I can't get overhyped for this team yet because last time I checked, how many playoff series have they won under Brad Stevens? Exactly. Thank you. Yeah, and, and that's it. And and you you nailed it right before that when you said the only way the Celtics have a chance of winning this Eastern Conference is if LeBron James gets hurt. That they need the more, man. Way. They need more. They need more on this team. Yeah. They well, they need more. But you know what, Matty? I've come to the conclusion that I don't know if they're gonna go try to get more because right now oh. they're looking. Jimmy Butler's out there. Paul George. You're hearing these slight they're rumors not. out. If they're going to go for those guys. I don't think they will. Nope. I agree. I don't think they're trading. Totally I agree. I mean, how, how can you, how can you trade anybody right now when this team is clicking? I will give them that. You're, you're like Danny Ainge must be sitting there ecstatic because you have cap money for next year. You have the number one pick possibly for, from Brooklyn and next year's Brook. It's like, and your team's playing well. So what do you do if you're Danny Ainge? I mean, obviously, if some schmuck GM does a crazy deal where you end up end up great, then, then go for it. I mean, I didn't like the fact, though, the, I don't know if it's true or not, but the rumors of the Ibaka trade going to the Raptors, that was a good trade for the Raptors. They needed a power forward. Now they have him. you got Valanciunas in the middle. You have 
obviously Lowry and DeRozan. I still think that's going to be a thorn, and they own the Celtics, so that's a thorn in the in the side. Um, DeRozan was out for that game the last time they faced the Raptors, and the Raptors still almost beat us. They just have our number draws. So for them to get Ibaka, I mean, it, it was it was a first round pick, and I think Terrence Ross, like. I heard they didn't want to get rid of Rozier, and it would have been Rozier in one of our first-round picks. It's like, Terry Rozier, man, come on. I would have done that trade in a heartbeat. I don't know about you. I think they're worried about the guard depth, maybe. Maybe, because if you get rid of Rozier and Bradley does have the injury, who comes in maybe if, like, Smart goes down or Isaiah comes down, goes down? Because guys behind that are just unproven, and Gerald Green's not going to— doesn't seem like Gerald Green's going to be taking a prominent role— he had a couple good games here and there, but I don't think Stevens likes him too much as a player. So for me, that was a little baffling because if you throw a Bach on this team, that's another guy that I, that is obviously better than any four we have on this team. Does that lead us to the championship, though, Draws? No, it doesn't. So when I reflected again, I said, you know what? You got to sit pat. You do. And, and the Celtics are going to sit pat. I would be very, very shocked if they go out and get a superstar deal. Maybe they go out and get a rebounding guy. And don't give up too much, but don't forget, we got those two guys over in Europe, and who the heck knows what's going to happen next year with them, um, both tall guys, so they're going to sit pat, definitely. I think the Celtics are in a great position, not, not yeah. to win the NBA Finals or anything this year, but I think they're in a great position for the future. At some point, Mattias, LeBron James is going to break down with all the Olympics he's played in and all the... NBA Finals he's played in. Those legs, he's yep. been in the, NBA, in the NBA since he's been 18. I mean, this guy's played a lot of basketball. We saw what happened to Kobe at a, what was it? Was he 36 when he retired? 37. He, was, he wasn't that old. But yeah. it was a lot of lot of games on those legs. And it's and at that point, he'd already like blown his Achilles and been out for like almost two full seasons. So at some point, LeBron's going to go down. And I don't think it's that far off. And like you mentioned, Mattias, the Celtics got those players out in Europe, Yabuselli and all and such. And then they got, as well, Brooklyn's picks. And Brooklyn, at this point, there is no one even close to having a record as bad as their record is right now. So we all know that that doesn't mean they're going to get the number one pick, but that's a, that guarantees them what? A, a top three four pick, right? Three. A top three. The top three pick if they if they have the worst. So there you go. They Man. are in a perfect position right now to just contend, just keep contending, try to keep getting better. Whatever they need to do, let Brad Stevens try to work his magic, hopefully win a playoff series. And then when Cleveland finally, or LeBron finally goes down, that's when you strike. And at that point, all these guys, all these young guys should be getting more into their primes and and then I think you might have an opportunity to win an NBA championship. That is not for this year. That's probably not for next year. But maybe in three years, you might see the Celtics. You might see the Green raise another banner. I, That's I, what I think is going to happen here. I think it's going to be tricky, though, Draz. It's like, all right, Isaiah has that cap-friendly contract right now. He's got another year signed. Then he becomes unrestricted in 2018. So he makes 6.5 this year, 6.2 next year. Then what do you do, man? Do you max him? And it's very it's it's tough to think about this. You're gonna max Al Horford and Isaiah Thomas. That's not gonna bring you an NBA championship. So I think 
Danny Ainge is just going to cruise in this and hopefully get either that Alonzo Ball guy from UCLA who is a stud or Fultz, another point guard from Washington. And just in case they, he doesn't want to max him and say a guy like Marcus Smart continues to improve and Avery Bradley probably isn't going to get a max deal like Isaiah Thomas is. Who the heck knows what's going on in his mind, though, Draws? I, nobody knows with Danny Ainge. He's all over the place. But the only thing thinking that I have there is you get a point guard who's going to be on a, a winning team. He's going to learn from guys that have been there. I don't know about three years. I'm not, I'm not so sure about that. I think it might be a little bit longer than that. I think if they show progress, then fans will be happy. I will say right now, though, that the Celtics, they go into the playoffs now or later on in the season here, and they continue riding a two or three seed. I know guys were hurt last year. I understand that. You want to use those excuses, go for it. I, I even got into some Twitter battles about how Isaiah Thomas did not perform that well in the playoffs. Last time I checked, if you want to be a superstar, draws, you don't make excuses for guys hurt. You don't. You go out there and you perform no matter if guys are hurt or not. He had a couple good games out of the six. You don't have a couple if you're a superstar. So they can't go into the playoffs and lose a series. If they lose a series this year, this season is not a success. All right. No. And I and I think that if this continues in this in this direction, they they have to win a series and. They might even have to win two series, but I'm not going to push it there yet. But I will say they got to win a series. Them and the Wizards draws right now are the two hottest teams in in the Eastern Conference. Toronto's fallen. They had to go out and make that a Baca trade. Maybe that sparks them now. But I could still see anywhere between two, three, and four for the Celtics. But that puts them as the favorite. They got to win a series this year. And I'll give my prediction later on whether or not they should win two, seeing when we get there. But they they just need to keep on going out there and doing what they're doing. At this point, exactly. And what they're doing has been very, very effective because obviously winning 10 out of 11 games, no matter who the hell they're playing in the NBA, is impressive. So good on the Celtics. As for the Patriots, I know they just won the Super Bowl. There's been a lot of great things going on. But, oh, man, guess what time it is. It's franchise tag time. And the players really love this time of year. Even though, Matty, it's, it's the, these players can make so much money sometimes with these franchise tags, depending on what position they're on, they play at, because the average amount of money, what is it? It's either the, the top 10 or the top 5, depending on which tag you get, but it, it can be a freaking hefty load for one year. The only problem being football, you get hurt, okay, yeah, then you're screwed. But you can be screwed anytime in football because people just take away your contract. So the Patriots, who do we have going up for the Patriots right now? or ha- have the possibility to get the franchise tag. We got a, a, a litany of guys here, and I don't know what they're going to do for sure with it all, but the number one guy is Dante Hightower. He, obviously, the man that made the strip sack in this Super Bowl also had the play in the Super Bowl against the Seattle Seahawks where he stopped Marshawn Lynch at the one-yard line at the end of the game to essentially saved the game and set up that Malcolm Butler interception that won the game. But Hightower 
This is my thing, Mattias. Going into last year, we named off four guys that the Pats were looking at. They had to sign. They had to sign. And two of them are already gone, being Jamie Collins and Chandler Jones. And now we only have two left. We have Hightower and Malcolm Butler. So I have to believe that the Patriots are going to ante up for Dante Hightower. I, I, I don't get it right now, Draz. I really don't. I cannot comprehend the situation with the New England Patriots on the defensive side of the ball. I, I really can't. Like, why... Why haven't they they've gotten gone out and spend the money on Hightower? I I look back and I said, oh, everyone freaked out. We got rid of Revis, and look how that worked out. Belichick was a genius. I'm just trying to think, draws. Okay, we get rid of Hightower. Who the hell do we have? Van Noy, McClellan, Roberts. Usually, there's someone that's there as a backup. We didn't know that Malcolm Butler was going to be nasty. We, we we knew he improved while the season went on and made that great catch in the Super Bowl, but. I don't look like McClellan is not. He's a journeyman. Man, Noy's a journeyman. Roberts could they could they really view Landon Roberts as the guy? I mean, Hightower's averaged twelve games per season in that position. Does he get banged up? Yeah, but I feel like everybody gets banged up in the NFL. I just think the Pats are they hate giving big money contracts. They really do. I I really think that. But why? Why have? Why hasn't he been signed? And now your two best cornerbacks are free agents. You have an unrestricted in Logan Ryan, who is definitely gone, definitely. Even while he's one of the most, one of the most durable players on this team, Drods, he just plays every single game. Has his performance fluctuated in the last three years? Yeah, I mean he's. he's for the most part, though, I, I think he's found his role. I'd love to keep the Wolverine on this team, but he's earned his payday. He's going to get paid, and he's probably going to get paid like a top cornerback. Is he a top cornerback? Well, we're not even going to argue about that for the, on this show, but you got ba- Malcolm Butler. He's a restricted free agent. T- Pat's already said they're going to give him the highest tender. That means that, yes, a team could possibly offer Butler a massive contract. The Pats would have the chance to be able to match it. And if they don't, they would receive a first-round pick. And that would make no sense to me because if you get rid of Butler, it's like, what are you going to roll with? Are you going to go with freaking Eric Rowe and then end up signing Logan Ryan? But that would not surprise me, Draws. It really wouldn't. These Patriots, when it comes to free agency as well as free agents, nothing would surprise me. I would not be surprised if they trade Gronk tomorrow. Would you? No, definitely. Would you be not. surprised that, if Hightower would reason. you be surprised if Hightower got let go? No, I guess that's not. That's what I mean, Draz. Nothing surprises me with this team. If I was running this team, I would have signed Jones, I would have signed Collins, but that's just us. We're not down there every day. We do not know like what the hell goes on. We do know now that Collins was supposedly doing whatever the F he wanted to do, and that doesn't fly in Bill Belichick's playbook because he has is he one of the most athletic linebackers they had here in the wild? Yeah, he did. But guess what? We won a title without him. Chandler Jones, another one. Rush the passer. He's great at it. Okay? He's fast. He's athletic, just like Collins. He's, he's a good player. He did his synthetic marijuana or PCP, whatever. And we know the other family members in the Jones household or brotherly love there. They have their issues with that type of stuff, too. So... Looks like he was right there. It's just like, for the most part, does Belichick make 
the right decision? Yes. Does he make colossal mistakes? We do. We do know that. All of us know that. I mean, D-Man Easley and Darius Butler, and we could go on and on with Chad Jackson. Yeah, when you when you're around for freaking 15, 20 years, whatever the hell it is with Belichick, you're gonna make great moves and you're gonna make shitty moves. But for me, I feel like the back is against the wall with Hightower and Butler. Like, what the hell are you gonna do if you don't sign Hightower and Butler? I, especially Butler drives. He's the more important one. The way the NFL is, you need guys in the secondary because it's a passing league. I don't know about inside linebacker, though. The more and more I think about this, Hightower is going to want to get paid. He's going to want to get paid. I, I looked at comparable contracts, though, draws that other linebackers in the NFL get, and people were comparing him possibly to Luke Keekley, who the guy on um, Carolina who has a five-year deal, $60 million or so, 34 guaranteed, where a lot of his money is coming in in bonus, right? So it's not really affecting that base. But the the Pats are just they're stingy with their money. They they really are. So I'm curious to see what's going to happen. Just like every other Patriot fan, he's the only one on that entire list for the Patriots that that I would even think that they would use the franchise tag on. Um, I'm. Be, it's like that that list is monstrous. Are they going to franchise Martellus Bennett for nine million or ten million no. from the tight end position? Probably not. And you got guys that are like good role players, like a Harmon or a Branch or um, Garrett Blunt. No, no, no other chance besides Hightower to get the tag. Um, if I had to make a prediction, I I do think that Hightower is going to get franchise tag. I do, and then I think it's actually going to lead to a contract. I don't. I don't see him leaving. I, I really don't. So that's my opinion on on that. But would not be surprised though if he did get let go because they are the most unpredictable organization when it comes to their roster. No, it's obvious. It's obvious that it's impossible to predict what the Patriots are going to do. Hightower, I agree. I do think that they will franchise him, and I do think they will get a long term deal done with him. He has just been. Too big a part of the team. He's hung with the philosophy of the team. I just think he's a team player, and I think that's what the Patriots will do. Like you said, would I be surprised if that didn't happen and somehow he was gone tomorrow? No, but that's not what I'm predicting. As for the corners, I think you did make up one case that could be interesting. The Logan Ryan slash Malcolm Butler, one of them has to stay, obviously. Malcolm Butler has proven to be probably the better Definitely the better of the two. But at the same time, Logan Ryan has been very, very above average, very consistent, durable, like you said. Now, some team is going to overpay for Logan Ryan. That is for sure, which is why I'm guessing why you're saying that he's definitely not coming back, right? Correct. Exactly. So, overpaying for for Logan Ryan. But the deal here is, if for some reason, Belichick thinks that he can get this first-round pick from whatever team doing the franchise or whatnot i could see him getting rid of butler signing ryan for whatever it costs and then freaking taking that first round pick and seeing what he can do with that and going with another corner i could see it yep in a heartbeat in a freaking heartbeat so 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 i am not i am not convinced on which one of the corners will stay i would lean towards malcolm butler 
but I will say that I could see it being Logan Ryan and Butler being the one out in a first-round pick coming in because we know that Belichick likes to have more players to work with, especially first-round picks like that. He's usually pretty good, although that's where they drafted Brandon Merriweather in the first round. McCourty was also a first-round pick. He obviously ended up being good safety, but he was supposed to be a cornerback. So we have that going on. But yeah, one of them will be back, not both of them. So that is for sure. But Hightower, yeah, if I'm a betting man, that's the guy. Allen Branch, you really can't do it. I, I feel like Valentine and Malcolm Brown have done enough to show that they can handle the middle, the defensive tackle position. It would be great to have Branch back, but once again, I think someone's going to overpay for him, so I don't think that they're going to go with him. Blunt, I think they'll get back. Martellus Bennett's gone. He got his Super Bowl. He's gone. Harmon, they'll, they'll probably find a way to get him back in here. Long is kind of getting long in the tooth. He already was long in the tooth before this, and and we could go on further, but the fact is the big ones, Hightower, Logan Ryan, Malcolm Butler, I think two of the three are going to be here next year. I think that the bet would be on Hightower and Butler. Yeah, and quickly for me, Draws, I feel like, yeah, Bennett's gone. A guy like Blunt, I could see coming back if he wants, like, dirt cheap money. Um, but I could easily see the Pats moving on from him. Brandon Bolden's great on special teams. It all depends on the money. Who knows? Alan Branch, Chris Long, those guys could retire, but I don't see either of them coming back to Gronk. Brother got signed, so who knows about Devlin. Floyd has legal issues. If those get cleared up, I think he'll be back for a very, very cheap salary. I think Harmon's gone. Um, I think he'll get money elsewhere, and the Pats won't pony up. I mean, don't forget, they did kind of give decent money to Chung. Um, Mingo, and Mingo, I feel like, whatever. And then I think Shared will be back. I kind of like Shared. I was, I was surprised, personally, that the guy got his ass benched in ended up fighting back and did a pretty good job the remainder of the year. So if you get him back, I think he's a good rotational player. Yeah, and that's something they love, obviously. The Patriots love guys that can handle adversity. And that What's more adverse than literally being told you're not going on the, the plane trip yeah. to our away game. You're staying here and, uh, yeah, get better. And then he did, and he played the rest of the season and played pretty well. So I completely agree with you there. But. Now we have the quarterback situation. This is the talk. I think this may be more the talk for the other teams throughout the league. Although I think this has to be a big talk for New England only because we're talking about our quarter, the quarterback position for the Patriots. And Tom Brady, while he says he's going to play till he's 45, and he very may well do that, there's got to be at some point a backup. There's been so many times or a backup or someone, a backup plan in case Brady goes down. Or someone that's going to, at some point, take over for Brady in the future. Now, after what we just saw this season where he threw two interceptions in the regular season, had was part of a team that made the biggest comeback in Super Bowl history. It's not likely that Brady will not play next season. And he said already that he's definitely playing next season and the season after that. But injuries happen, age happens, things happen. And Garoppolo is the talk of the town right now. He's kind of been the talk at other points, especially the way he played in those two games earlier this year. But then he got hurt. And Mattias and I had a, a big conversation about that and how he got hurt. <laughs> and now we're sitting at the point where you're hearing some people second round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. Some people 
as much as a first round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. Mattias, would you trade Jimmy Garoppolo if you were the Patriots? 100% yes. 100% yes. If it was three, four years from now, then no, I wouldn't, obviously, because Brady's going to be gone. But it didn't look like Tom Brady um, took a step back this year. Could he take a step back next year? Yeah, he could. But it is what it is with Garoppolo. Do you hold on for for another year and then get nothing for this guy and he just walks in free agency because he is going to get a massive deal? I'm not a fan of Garoppolo, and I'm glad you brought up that point, Draws, because I think he's like Tony Romo, like I mentioned before. He's he's going to be a quarterback in this league that's going to be good. Romo's a good quarterback. Garoppolo's going to be a good quarterback. I was shocked. I'm not shocked, but it was weird, the, the quotes by Edelman today. I don't know if you heard him, but... Um, Edelman saying about Garoppolo, as far as a, as a guy that I get to play with every single day, Jimmy Garoppolo, I mean, that guy's a stud. He went out and played in the regular season. He played very well. He's got that kind of gunslinger kind of confidence. You know, that Brett Favre, Aaron Rodgers kind of confidence. <laughs> so his buddy Edelman, who has been around for a while and does he's, he plays with the best quarterback ever to play the game, linked him to gunslinger Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. I don't really feel like Aaron Rodgers is a gunslinger, but... I think he nailed the Brett Favre. If you would have put Tony Romo instead of Aaron Rodgers, I would have said, yeah, that, that's who I view as Garoppolo. But he's not Favre in his durability, in my opinion. I think he's more Romo. And obviously, we'll never know until he starts to play more. But for me, I'm going to maximize the value. The Pats do a great job maximizing their value with these backup quarterbacks that we've traded in the past. It's just it's just tough though now, Draws. Brady's reaching forty. I know he did not show any decline, but is we all think he's a human, right? <laughs> like you're supposed to get worse as you as you age. And for him to say he feels hundred percent to Peter King on that MMQB um interview thing, podcast crap that he did in Montana in his stronghold, wherever the hell that is, and say that he fell hundred percent after the game, that's just that's ridiculous to me. It's absolutely ridiculous. And I really think Brady does more in the outside aspects of the game than he did maybe earlier in his career because he wants to play longer. And what I mean by that, not only his crazy-ass nutrition that he does, but the way he treats his body when it comes to working out and sleep, he, he probably is ridiculous when it comes to that obviously you hear his nutrition crap so the guy probably is one of the most born human beings on the planet and he even admits that in some of his radios because he knows what works for him but i think he has to put a more effort into it it's like anyone else draws we get older stuff starts to hurt more you got to do more to prepare he says he wants to play in his mid-40s he's also said that he wanted to um <laughs> He also said if he starts to suck, he ain't going to stick around. He's not going to pull no Peyton Manning. So right now, you got to maximize that value. There's other guys that, say for instance, you don't like Brissett, you can go get another backup quarterback next year or the year after. So I have no issues with them trading Garoppolo, and I hope they trade Garoppolo. I do. All right. Well, I'm afraid. Count me as Oh, gee. Afraid. Gee. Shocking. You are afraid. <laughs> No, 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 no. This is not. I don't know if this is shocking or not. I'm saying that I think that always freaking superstitious or afraid when it comes to the Patriots. 
The funniest yep. part, ladies and gentlemen, Draz is superstitious and afraid. But of all my friends, I've watched multiple games with him. He does not quit on this team, whether they're up 30 to freaking nothing or down 30 to nothing with two minutes left in the, in the fourth quarter. I don't know if that's stupidity or if I don't know. I don't know if that's a good mindset. But when it comes to you and their injuries and, and superstition stuff, it's just it's mind blowing to me. It always will be, man. It always will be. But shoot, man, what are you afraid of now? Well, this is not, I don't feel like this is superstitious. I'm not saying this because of superstition. I'm saying this just based off science. And I I hate using the word science. I normally don't like it when it comes to people in science. But the fact of the matter is old age happens. And just looking back at the history and time and the players that have played and how well they've played at these certain ages, I think the only guy that I saw recently that has had a pretty good year at age 40 was Brett Favre with the Minnesota Vikings. I think, I believe it was the 40 year, he was 40 years old when he had that year when they went to the championship game and then they called Bounty Gate on the Saints. It was either that year or the 39 year year old year. And if it was the 39 year old year, then Brady was just in his 39 year old year. So regardless, I have yet to see. I know there's been quarterbacks that have gone past that Warren Moon, Testaverde. They've played past it, but have they been that great? No. Now, like you said, is Tom Brady an alien? He might be. We don't know this because he does such crazy things with his diet and with his sleep. And this has been, even even back into the days, I think it was Troy Brown that brought it up. They all used to laugh at Brady when he was in the gym because he didn't do what everybody else did. He had his own little way with his own people on how he was going to work out. And everyone's like, what is this goober doing over there when he was a youngster? So Brady's always been a little weird with that kind of stuff. I don't know if that means he's going to make it further. He could. If anybody's going to, it's him. But that being said, you do need a backup when you got a quarterback that's going into the next season at age 40. I don't care. You need to have at least a solid backup Brissett is not the one. I don't care. I love Bill Parcells. I cannot agree with him at all on his love for Jacoby Brissett. Why? Or apparently the Patriots love for Brissett. Why? He Why? He was horrible at NC State. He looked horrible. His completion percentage was like 55%. You, I don't need a completion percentage of 55% at, 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 at NC State. You need to do better than that. Brissett, I don't like the way he releases the ball. He can run a little. He looks like a beanpole to me. I I really am not a Brissett fan at all. I didn't like Mallet. I don't like Brissett. I like Garoppolo, but as you mentioned, when he fell on that arm, that did freak me out. I think it was Kiko Alonso that knocked him out of that game, and then he didn't get to play the final two games. That does worry me, but I do believe Garoppolo can get this job done. He played behind him. He's the first quarterback that I've seen, besides maybe even Hoyer, and we've seen, we've seen what Hoyer's done. He hasn't done that much, that I actually believe could step up and play and win games and, and be a very good quarterback. So what, what was uh, trading him scares me. Okay. What was Jacoby Brissett's percentage at NC State? I don't know. What was it, 55, 57.5? 57.5. Well, I'm going to give you a quarterback's percentage, a recent quarterback, 59.9 draws, one of the best quarterbacks in the uh, NFL this year. He actually is going to win the it? MVP. Matt Ryan? Yeah, he had a 59.9 at BC. So, well, I don't think I, I don't think you can judge college the same as the NFL. You you don't have the same players around you in college you're going to have in the NFL. In the NFL, you have pros at every single spot. In college, you don't. 
You don't. I I did not think Matt Ryan was going to be that great in the NFL. I thought I thought he had. I, I still thought his passing in college he was too slow. I'm not saying Brissett's the savior. I'm just saying I I don't know why you hate him so much. I think it's way too early to tell on him. Um, I I do I I like things about Grapple. I've admitted it. He's going to be good. He's going to be a good quarterback. Could he be a Super Bowl quarterback? He might. But he worries me. He, he worries me just like a Russell Wilson or a Cam Newton. Those guys, those quarterbacks run too much, in my opinion. I like Rodgers more. Does he run? Yes. But Rodgers doesn't look to run. All right. Uh, Matt Ryan, can he run? Barely like Brady, but he's pre- he's pretty damn good when it, when it comes to throwing the ball. If you look at the, the best quarterbacks the NFL draws, I am still going to go with guys who freaking stay in the pocket and can throw in the pocket. We all thought it was going to go different. With Colin freaking Kaepernick three, four years ago, whatever the hell it was. The new age with him and Newton and Russell Wilson. Well, guess what? We're back to where it, it, it used to be, and that's where it's going to stay. So I think got to wait with Brissett. I really think you got to wait. But guess what, Draws? <laughs> He's going to have to wait. We're going to have to wait because Brady's not going anywhere. He's not. I think Colin Coward, I think Max Kellerman were – Three or four years off with their predictions, saying that Brady was going to be dead before um, Brady's going to be dead this year or the next year with those ludicrous predictions. Um, trying to get just get a hot take like the national guys want. They want guys to tune into their shows and some crazy trolls probably go on their um, accounts and say stuff to them all the time, including myself, because they just want to make these idiotic statements to get their ratings up and I don't even know if they really believe it I really don't Colin Coward brought out that he had a tweet that I mentioned last week that's just ridiculous counting Brady out and saying how this is the end of Tom Brady and then he comes around and Brady overall did not have one of his good game great games he admitted that um and it's obvious he did not he did not play great great for quarterback for a bunch of the quarters like three quarters or yeah about three quarters but overall, that was one of the most clutch performances in any type of sport in his, sports history, throwing those outside uh, passes, which he doesn't normally do. It was just amazing draws. So back to the point, though, you got to maximize Garoppolo now. And I think the Pats will do that. I'd, I'd, I'd think they might. But if they do, I still would try to find another quarter. You need another quarterback. Another quarterback's oh, got to be behind Brady besides Brissett. And it's yeah. got to be, I, I, I guess I go veteran, and I might even dra- try to draft a rookie and put him on the practice squad. Draft And draft him high and put him on the practice squad if you want Brissett up there. Because I don't trust Brissett. I want another guy learning behind Brady. I don't care. Bring in Hoyer. Bring Hoyer back. That's fine. Put him back there. But if they're going to trade Garoppolo instantly, I think you draft another quarterback high, throw him on the damn practice squad, and then sit there with Hoyer or some other guy in the background to be with Brissett if they love Brissett so much because then we'll get to finally see when Brissett comes out and gets his chance if he can really be that guy. Yeah, he has a better attitude than Ryan Mallett, and and I think that goes a long way, but I felt the same way about Mallett. I did not like Ryan Mallett at all. Part of it was attitude. Look what happened to him. He just looked He's just not good. I don't like Brissett. I like Garoppolo. I think Garoppolo can be good. I am worried he's going to get hurt. I will give you that. But 
I want a first round pick for Garoppolo if I'm the Patriots. I'm asking for that. If not, I'm not trading him. I'm going to keep him back there. I'll lose him a different time. I'll lose him for nothing. I don't care at this point. That's I'll, why I'll you're on the, the that's why you're on the Boston Sports Brew and we're not the GM of the Patriots cuz I I do not see freaking Belichick letting him walk for nothing. We'll see. But that we're actually no, 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 Mattias. We haven't given out our brews of the week, have we? We have not given out our brews of the week. And for all you baseball fans out there, we did not cover your lovely Red Sox. We love our Red Sox. <laughs> There'll be plenty of time for our Red Sox, but I don't care about freaking truck day. I don't give a rat's ass about pitchers and catchers reporting. Chris Sale is already trying to get is people are interviewing him and trying to see how he's going to react in Boston. And we all know nothing matters until April. So I'm not really worried about that. We will be co- covering our lovely, our lovely Red Sox in the future. I did, did, did want to shout, put that shout out out there. So we did not forget about our beloved Red Sox, but for me, um, brew of the week, I just got to give a shout out to it, it's a, it's a tough one for me. It really is, but it's got to go to Isaiah Thomas, man. The guy has been absolutely phenomenal this year. Um, definitely took the step in this superstar direction. He's in the conversation and finally getting the national um, notoriety here in the MVP talk draws where he's going up against guys like Russell Westbrook, who is or was, I'm not sure if he is at this current moment, averaging a triple-double. Um, which is crazy to think about. No one ever thought that anyone would top Oscar Robbins, Robertson's triple-double, the last guy in the NBA to have that. But as of this moment, Russell Westbrook is, as I look on my page, averaging a triple-double. Um, does he shoot the ball a lot? Yeah, he does. I understand that. Um, but for him to do that in this day and age is, is remarkable. Then James Harden. He and Tony gave him the keys in Houston, and that that's really worked out well. For me, I love Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi Leonard is the best two-way player in the game. Yes, I, I, I think he is better than LeBron two-way. I really do. Um, but Thomas is in the mix, draws. He He's one of the top four for the MVP as of right now, and it still amazes me watching him because of his height. That you and I are, are we mentioned we're we're not blessed whatsoever with our five seven or six height. I don't know what you are. I'm like five seven and a half, five eight on a good day. Um, but Tom and Thomas says that he's five ten. He doesn't look like he's five ten to me. But the shots that he puts up there and the hands in his face from six five or six six or six four guys trying to block his shots. He has to obviously put his get that in his mind that. He, in order to not get blocked and make sure he, he puts his shot up in 0.5 or 0.2 seconds earlier than he has to compared to other guys because of his height. And he, he's been remarkable this year, Josh. There's no other way of putting it around him. Brady said you're next after they texted back and forth with the Super Bowl. I hope you're next just as, uh, as a playoff win and maybe you're next winning an NBA title is a couple years from now. Let's not blow it out of proportion, but I, I do have to give the brew of the week to Isaiah Thomas. I really do. So keep it up, as Tommy would say, the little guy. Keep it going, my friend, because as of right now, you you are having a phenomenal year, and 
he he's made the winter seasons here. Winter season draw is definitely fun from a Celtics perspective. Averaging 32 freaking points in February, 32.9 in um January. It's just crazy, man. Absolutely crazy. So keep it up, bud. How many more games is until Havlicek till he breaks or ties John Havlicek for the Celtics record for what is it like 25 points in a game, 30 points, something ridiculous, 20 points in a game, consecutive games. I think it's like one game. I was yeah. reading something on uh, somewhere. I think I think literally like against the 76ers Wednesday night, if he scores over 20 points, he will have scored over 20 points in the most consecutive games since John Havlicek. He'll tie his franchise record, and then one more would obviously pass Havlicek. So that's pretty impressive right there. But I'm going to go to our other team that likes to play in February, and that is our Boston Bruins. I'm going with Bruce Cassidy. He said his goal was to change the offense, and Matty is so far so good. We talked about this earlier, but since taking over as the Bruins' interim head coach, the Bees have scored at least four goals in three straight games. All of those were wins. Even more impressive, four different defensemen have scored goals, plus the Bees are crashing the net like crazy. I really, really, really didn't expect the players to just buy into Cassidy's philosophies, but they have for the first three games. So I'm still not sure if they can maintain this pace, but it definitely has made the Bruins hockey pretty exciting. So for that, I'm making Bruce Cassidy my brew of the week. You know, we've done brews of the week for a while. I just don't like that one. I don't. But that's fine. It's your brew. I got my brew. And time will tell whether or not Mr. Cassidy and the Bruins are trending in the right direction. But three games for me. Just doesn't do anything. But you know what? We'll see what happens, my friend. We'll see what happens. Three games so far, good. I'll give you that, but I don't know. I don't like that one. All I said was three games. All I said was three games. I'm giving it to him for the three games that have been played. I don't. I just don't. I don't like your brew this week. That's okay. And isn't that the way life goes sometimes? Not everybody likes the same things. But you know what? We all deal with it. So... That'll do it for this edition of the Boston Sports Brew, folks. Don't forget to like our Facebook page or give us a rating on iTunes. If you want to talk, Matthias is loud on Twitter. Tweet us at BOS Sports Brew. That's at BOS Sports Brew. We'll be back next week. Until then, for Matthias, I am Draz. Thank you all for listening to another edition of the Boston Sports Brew.